This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hi, Artemis listeners. I'm Carly Kutnick, and this week we have a content-rich rerun for you. My predecessor, Marsha Brownlee, interviews Ann Joliffe on all things advocacy. As a reminder... Artemis is an initiative of the National Wildlife Federation that engages women hunters and anglers in conservation advocacy. We were formed because the National Wildlife Federation recognized conservation was missing important voices. Women are the fastest growing segment in the sporting community, but we seldom are the voice of conservation campaigns. Artemis aims to change that. This episode was part of a year-long program in Montana called Go Confident as an Advocate. Its intent was to engage participants in conversations about issues impacting our public lands and wildlife. Regardless of your experience in conservation advocacy, this episode will either help you get started, push you to the next level, or offer you the opportunity to reflect on the advocacy work you've already engaged on. As you listen, I encourage you to think about local, state, and federal land, water, and wildlife issues what impending issues are your city councils or county commissioners or state wildlife agencies facing? How do these issues affect you or the next generation? I hope this episode helps you bridge your time afield and conservation advocacy. With that, I'll leave you with a profound question. If not me, then who? Artemis endeavors to get more women in the field and on the water. To support women as leaders in the conservation movement. To ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. Hi, Anne. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being here today. Yeah. Cool. So uh, uh, kick us off. You know the question, what's in your freezer? Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. I got to think about that one. We have some goose still. 
Um, I think we only have one package of that left. It's kind of, you know, like you hold on to that last package. You just don't want to use it. Um, so so we true. Have we have some elk, deer, and antelope, the typical. Um, and then we have an organically raised pig from Belgrade, Montana. So nice. That, but it's in our freezer. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, let's dive right in. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay. Um, so born and raised in Montana, um, moved to Wyoming after college with my husband. Um, I'm a teacher, um, back in Montana now. Um, I'm a teacher at a high school. I teach English. Um, that's my real job. Um, I am a mother of five-year-old triplets, um, all girls, and they're very excited to start kindergarten. And so am I. <laughs> I can only um, imagine. Yeah. Oh boy, they're excited. Um, and it's a really small community, so it's kind of cool. The the nurse that works at our school, at the high school, works at the elementary school down the road. And so everybody's just so excited that the triplets are coming in. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, I'm a dog mom. I have three dogs. They are currently shut outside, so hopefully that works pretty well. Um, we got a COVID puppy. We got a German wire hair pointer. Um, so he's about a year old, and we've been working pretty hard on training him. And then in the midst of all of this, um, I'm an Artemis ambassador um, and, of course, joined up during the COVID cohort. Um, <laughs> Ooh, that's, I don't know why we haven't been calling them that all along. <laughs> it's an English teacher, the alliteration, it just happens. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> um, and so I haven't been able to do a whole lot, like, as far as hosting or anything, because Montana's been pretty strict. Um, but advocacy was one way that I kind of wiggled in there and share what I can on social media and get my family to, to do what I'm trying to get everybody else to do. Fantastic. Um, what's your background as a hunter angler? How did you get started in the field and on the wild? Oh, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. When I was six, my grandma took me to her brother's farm and I caught my first little six inch rainbow trout and I was so proud of myself. Um, scared them half to death and they almost fell. <laughs> fell into uh, the pond. Um, so that was, you know, showed me that everything is really exciting. And then we got trout for breakfast, of course. Um, and then I just have been surrounded by it my whole life. I mean, I can go out in my grandpa's garage in the fall without having a deer hanging. Um, <clears throat> my dad took me out when I was 12 for my first elk hunt and it was one of those wild ones where you know they were just right outside where we were, had parked the truck and it was a crazy madhouse and it was right off of um a family friend's ranch so once we got him down he got the forklifts and we were forklifting cows into the truck and <laughs> we'll never have those again but <laughs> and since then i've just been very active in it um taught my sister and my mom how to fly fish after my husband taught me how to fly fish um, we take our girls hiking and camping and they love watching for wildlife and so we just we just kind of live it and my husband does a taxidermy business on the side I can't escape <laughs> Not <the good> one. <laughs> right <laughs> excellent um so I would love to hear I have a bunch of questions for you as, as you probably anticipated coming into today uh but okay. one of them is uh what drives your interest in advocating um as actively as you have been for our lands, waters, and wildlife? 
uh, my kids. Um, I want them to have the same, well, I want them to have better opportunities than I have and have had growing up. Um, also, I'm, my students, like, they're kind of my kids at a certain point, you know, you yeah. end up having them all year and you see them every day and they come into your classroom with all their little, you know, all their little dramas. Um, so I end up being like a school mom. So my students, I want them to have good future outdoors. Um, I want my kids to have a good future outdoors. And then this legislative session has just been one thing after the other, as far as outdoors um, are concerned. And I started really easy and just, you know, throwing in the, the preformed emails um, that some organizations put out. Um, and then I'm, you know, I started taking the advocacy class and well, it does make more sense to put something personal in there. So then I'd modify it a little bit and pretty soon I was arguing with senators. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that story. We'll, we'll <laughs> dig into that in a little bit. Nice. Um, yeah. Okay. So you have stepped up your game recently. Let's see. I actually want to, I want to ask this question first. So in the, in the go confident series um, and in the first session, we talked a lot about sort of the images and ideals and expectations that people have about what it means to be an advocate and how sometimes that can act as a constraint to having people take that first step. Uh, and so I'm curious um, if you can speak about that for you personally, what constraints did you need to move past? in order to become more engaged as you have? I think time is my biggest constraint. Um, you know, being a teacher, we do a lot of work at the school and we do a lot of work for school at home. Um, so I've concentrated really hard this year on making sure that I can get what I need to done at school. So I'm not bringing that home as much. Um, and also, I mean, that affects my family too. So, um, and then the girls, obviously, you know, they take a lot of time <laughs> um, and rightfully so. Um, they, uh, but they've been really good too. They are very interested every time we have an Artemis ambassador meeting, but can they see me? Can I say hi? Um, and the answer is always yes, right? <laughs> oh, yes. you guys helped me put them to bed on our last, one of our last meetings. So. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so yeah, time, time has been the biggest constraint. Um, but they're, once the girls are in bed and once, you know, my husband's out in the shop working on his stuff, I just sit down and I kind of go through emails and check all the conservation, um, websites that I've been following and see what I can do, write a couple emails, maybe just copy and paste for a couple of them, changing a few things. Um, yeah. So just finding that time has been a little bit difficult, but mm -hmm. it doesn't take cool. much time once you get started on it. Can you talk to us a little bit about what this year has looked like and what you've done recently? <laughs> well, um, so did, when did we start the advocacy? Was it, was it um, February was the first February. session. Okay. Yeah. Um, so really fast and furious since February, really. Really. Um, <laughs> Sonia um, had called me and she was like, hey, so you want to do this speaking engagement? And I'm like, wait, what? Um, and so I had a couple of weeks to prepare for that. And I spoke up at the Capitol on the steps, um, which was terrifying. And then once it was done, it was probably one of the biggest adrenaline rushes I've had in a while. It was pretty cool. Um, and my dad actually had to speak at the Capitol for something totally different, but he ended up being there and watching also. So that was kind of cool. It was just coincidental, but, um, 
gosh. Okay, so speaking of the Capitol, and then along with that, she had me do a radio interview um, and a, a newspaper statement. Um, oh, before that, you had me write the letter to the editor. I completely forgot that for Deb Hayland, um, which I I sent it in once, and then I waited and watched the Helena IR, and it didn't show up. And then I was like, I'm going to send it again. So I think I sent it three times before yes. I ended up in there. Um, they must have gotten annoyed, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and then, oh my gosh, let's see. So letter to the editor, speaking of the Capitol, um, just writing letters, um, emails and letters. Um, yeah, got in an argument with Steve Dean at one point. <laughs> yeah, do you wanna do you wanna go into that? <laughs> um, it was over Deb Hayland, and he had uh, quoted some of the things she said, and I emailed back, and I was just like, "Well, I'm just curious where she said that because I hadn't seen it, hadn't heard it." And once you asked me to write the letter to the editor, I was paying pretty close attention. Um, and then he wrote back, and it was um, pulled the. Well, as a fifth generation Montana outdoorsman, da 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 da, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm also at least a fifth generation. I don't even know. Like my grandparents, my grandpa's parents, I'm pretty sure, homesteaded. If it wasn't their parents that homesteaded in eastern Montana, I'm like, I, you know, I, I can pull that card too. Um, and I've been an outdoors person since I was at least six. So, um. So I just, it was just a little back and forth and he actually never emailed me back, but I I was getting pretty fired up (laughs) about it. Um, And then I I teach an outdoors literacy class and there's only five kids because it's really small. Um, It's just an elective. They don't get like English credit for it. Um, But they actually have been really involved in this too. They've been writing to their, to our legislators on all of these things. They've been very interested. Every time they'd write, they're like, have we heard anything back? Have you heard anything back? And then they'd read the emails and it's all the form emails back from from everybody. But they're like, well, this person didn't email me back. Why did this email come back as not deliverable? And, uh, you know, and they were getting really fired up too. So that was fun to see. That's cool. Um, and then, and then this, I think was the next thing. Oh no, testify at a hearing. Yes. Yes, did that too, which... It was a little more nerve-wracking because before I even, you know, got to talk, the legislators all had their turn, of course. Um, and it was, well, what you're going to hear from all these speakers is this. And and I was like, yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly what I'm going to say. So <laughs> um, so that was a little nerve-wracking. Just, I'm not a very confrontational person. So this has kind of brought some a little different side out. It's been mm-hmm. And then I'm going to help with the um, the hunter course. I've given a video presentation on um, butchering and field caping for taxidermy and euros on how to do a European mount. Oh, cool. And gonna, yeah. And then I'm going to help with the camping trip on that out at um, Canyon Ferry. So nice. it's a lot, but yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, and and for uh, for our listeners, the the course that Anne's talking about is a Go Confident in the Wild course, which is our companion course to Go Confident as an Advocate. Um, that again, this year is mostly virtual, but it uh, takes participants through um, a bunch of of 
uh, courses and, and video recordings of um, necessary information to get started for their first year in the field as a hunter. Um, and it will culminate as a camp um, this fall, and it's being led by the wonderful Sonia Smith from the Montana Wildlife Federation. Um, so how has your understanding of what it means to advocate for convert conservation changed in the last few months or has it changed? Um, I mean, it's less scary than I thought it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> as a teacher, I have lots of staff meetings and I don't even like speaking up in those. <laughs> um, and those are people who know me really well. Maybe that's why I got more comfortable with advocacy because they don't know who I am. So it doesn't really matter. I have nothing to prove. Um, also, my job's not dependent on it. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, it's less scary. Um, it does take less time than I had anticipated. Um, and <clears throat> I got to say that's because the conservation organizations do such a good job paying attention and, and getting that information out there quickly um, so that people have time to advocate well enough to make a difference. Um, <laughs> And apparently we kind of did on I-190. So that was really exciting. Nice. I remember in my own uh, journey to becoming a more engaged advocate, it was like, um, there was a quote that I heard on, on another podcast that I really appreciated because it was this woman who was about to go on stage to give a presentation for work. So this wasn't specifically about conservation advocacy, but she was going to speak um, publicly, uh, which is, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a, 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 a like a, textbook phobia <laughs> about that. I just don't know the name of it right now. Um, but she, her boss was asking her um, how she was feeling. And she said, it's, I'm okay. I'm just going to go out there and do my best. And his response is, uh, just go out there and show up. And I think I, I really appreciated that sort of lowering of expectations, right? Just, I mean, go out there and do your worst, but you at least, you still, you still showed up. And so when I testified at my first hearing, that was important. Uh, that was an important goal for me to set for myself. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to like be the magic bullet that changes everybody's mind and pivots this whole discussion as much as I would like it to. Right. Um, and I'm not even going to go out there and do my best. I'm probably going to go out there, stare at my paper and read in a very shaky voice, but I'm going to show up. Um, and that ultimately is the, is the most important thing. Um, yeah. And then secondly, uh, I think it's so easy to get overwhelmed by the amount of information that's out there and the amount of issues there are that uh, we want to dedicate our time and our voice to and, and sorting through it all, especially um, when it isn't something you do for a living. Like, you know, this is my day job now. And so I'm neck deep in it 24 um, seven. Uh, and so it's a little bit easier to to wade through the complexities. But before, when I wasn't, um, it, it, it seemed overwhelming. And there was that notion of I don't know enough about the issue to speak um, knowledgeably or effectively on it. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about that? Ha have you felt similarly or or was that something? Uh, yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah. You're nodding. So. 100%. <laughs> yes. Um, and that, funny enough, uh, my students really like pushed me because I, you know, I talked to them and I'm like, this is what I'm doing because it's public speaking and I'm an English teacher and that's part of English. Um, 
was like, see guys, you just never know when you're going to have to speak in public. Just be ready. Here we go. I'm going to give you practice. Um, but they, I, you know, I often feel like I don't know enough to do a lot of things. Um, I mean, it, there's no way everybody in the world knows everything about whatever it is they're supposed to know about. Um, you know, I could teach the same thing for my whole teaching career. And by the end of it, I'm sure there will still be something that I'm learning. Um, and so maybe as a teacher, that's helpful. Um, because you just, you have to learn all the time. Um, but they were really pushing and they're like, of course, you know, everything you're supposed to for this. Like you got this. It's okay. So they were my little confidence boosters. It was really nice. Cute. Uh, they all want to push me into a political career now, which is terrifying, but, um, <laughs> um, yeah, so just, um, yeah, you're not going to know everything. And I guess in our, our little Artemis ambassador meeting the other night, um, I think, was it Cody that said, I want to banish the, I'm not the expert in this feeling that a lot of women have, um, and that I was like, uh, yeah, like, I, there's no way you're going to be an expert in anything. You can be considered an expert in your field and you're still going to go learn things. Um, so mm -hmm. just remembering that everybody is still learning. Um, there's always more to learn out there. And, you know, maybe you might know something that other people don't and you get that opportunity to share that. Yeah, I do think, yeah, that's something that I've encountered quite a bit in my role with Artemis is anytime. Not anytime. A lot of times when I ask uh, women to either join me on the podcast or join me um, as a speaker in one of our um, learning sessions, it's always, well, I, I'm, I'm not an expert. I don't know if I have that much I can share. And I mean, this is oftentimes coming from women who've been hunting and fishing and advocating for decades, right? Like, <laughs> and even if you haven't, even if you've only been doing it for two years, you have your story to share and, and your experience in the field. Um, and I think you're right. I think we all assume that we need a PhD in something in order to be able to speak about it effectively. And um, I, it's, it's become a personal mission of mine to, to work past that um, and work past the idea that you have to know everything in order to contribute anything um and and again in, in one of our early sessions for the go confident as an advocate we talked about the importance of personal story and i think that was one thing so when i first started with artemis um alexis bonagowski who's uh, an incredible conservationist and advocate um in billings montana she's also a photographer and a writer and she put together the first artemis advocate course uh and in the session that i did with her she talked about uh, when is the last time you changed your mind? And she just posed that question to the group um, and then really digging into that. So I'm curious, when's, when's the last time you changed your mind, Anne? Ooh. Oh, boy. I don't even know. Right? Because I was yeah. I was asking myself that question before this podcast, too. And I think part of it is that mm -hmm. Oftentimes when I come to think of a issue differently, I don't necessarily view it as changing my mind, which I thought was interesting. Sometimes I view it as I just learned new information yeah. and that new information um, contributed to the way I am thinking about it, not changed the way I'm thinking about it, but maybe moved me along. So I thought that that was an interesting, I don't know that 
it's always for me it's new information and whether that new information is data that i wasn't aware of or hadn't considered before but more often than not it's a perspective that i wasn't aware of and hadn't considered before that changes the way i'm thinking about an issue hmm. the other thing i've been thinking a lot about lately too is that never happens on a, uh, on a dime right no maybe that's why it's so hard to pinpoint yeah yeah it's a process it is Um, in thinking about your own story, Pat, yeah, how's that gone? Because we do ask a question: What's the um, what's 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 your story? How can you complexify um, their understanding of who you are to and add your personal story to this conservation issue to make it a, a poignant conversation? I think, and I hate to keep going back to it, but I think it really does center around my girls. Like just being a mom um, and wanting them to have the same experience, the the number of times that we, my husband and I have heard, oh, well, you know, you're going to have your hands full with boys and dresses and da, 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 da. And I'm like, really? That's, that's what you're coming away with? Like these girls play in the dirt. They come home every day from school with dirt in their hair. Like I'm not, and you know what? And they do wear fancy dresses while they're playing. Dresses. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I just, the notion that my girls aren't rough and tumble enough for, you know, more than dresses and boys, that irritates me to no end. Um, and so I think really working toward their future and their choices and their opportunities whether that be outdoors, whether that be, you know, careers, whether that be anything, you know. Um, I have one who wants to be a mermaid and one who wants to be a cowboy. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, so I think that really is where my story is focused at this point in my life, at least. Um, before it was probably adventure with my husband. Um, that's probably where I would have centered it. And before that, it would have been family because that was that was how my dad and I really bonded was going outside and hunting and fishing and camping. And, yeah. Um, family bonds, I guess. Uh, I want to remind people who are listening right now that if you have a question um, either for for me or for Anne, um, please don't hesitate to drop it in the chat. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, and what's next for you as an advocate? Do you have any <laughs> thoughts about 
where you what what you want to tackle. So you've done you've written a letter to the editor. Um, I mean, I feel like you went from zero to sixty because you went from writing a letter to the editor to speaking publicly on the steps of the Capitol um, to testifying at a hearing. Um, what's next? Isn't is there anything that's next? Are you just keeping up with with the road that you're on, which is awesome too? Yeah, just building um, my presence, I guess, in in the conservation advocacy role. Um, I'm always impressed um, watching the leaders of the organizations that I follow. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. Like, like I wish I could do that. But also, um, I don't think I could step away from from teaching. That's just like, it's a, and you know, you are I do. Yeah, education. Um, and, and it's then, actually. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so no, we had an interesting question, uh, conversation at a previous podcast. I think it was a one or two podcasts ago with Phoebe Stoner, mm-hmm. uh, who um, used to work directly in advo- in conservation and was a super engaged advocate on the side as a board member of a impactful organization and um, just using her own voice on various issues. And she talked about how, like, she eventually recently left working in conservation um, as a job to do something else so she could focus more of her energy, more of her personal time and personal energy on advocating for conservation. But that, but doing that so deeply, both professionally and personally, um, she struggled with a lot of burnout and had to recenter herself in order to, to stay engaged and as passionate as she had been. So, um, I think, I think, and I know I thought this way too, again, when I transitioned from being a teacher to working in conservation, it's like, well, this way I'll be able to dedicate a lot of time to it. And I have been, and it's been wonderful, but there, you know, it can become all consuming because it is such uh, an important part of my life and my focus and, and my energy um, that I need to be very intentional about doing other things <laughs> once the clock stops um, and, and committing myself to other interests. So I think, I think there are good things about, uh, doing something else in your day job and then using your personal passion, um, as an advocate, uh, in, I won't say free time. Um, <laughs> I will find a different word for that. Um, in your, in your little spaces that, yes. you know, aren't filled that I can't relax in. Right. <laughs> terrible at relaxing. I'm the word. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, just, just building on, on that and, um, making myself annoying enough to the people at the Capitol that they maybe start recognizing me and going, Oh, God. here she comes again. <laughs> yeah. I, I would like that. It'd be, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sure. I do remember um, w- uh, a couple years ago when we were working on the land and water conservation fund and getting that passed um, permanently and fully funded. Mm-hmm. One of my coworkers who is in charge of the social media for the public lands team, um, and was just, uh, you know, doing a ton of communication, especially via Twitter. Um, there was, it was, pr- it was quoted in a paper. Um, I just wanted the damn tweets to stop <laughs> as from a legislator um, about yes. their vote on the land and water conservation fund. So we cut that out and framed it for her. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Being annoying can be effective. Politely annoying. Politely. Being politely annoying can be yep. effective. We use our manners. Yep. <laughs> Nice. Um, do you have any uh, pieces of advice uh, for people who are either hesitating to write that op-ed or testify at that hearing um, or who are just starting to think about getting into it? 
Um, I mean, just rip the Band-Aid off. But <laughs> um, find templates. Um, you know, just go read a couple letters to the editors. Um, watch just a few of the testify um, testifying hearings. You don't have to watch the whole thing. Like, it gets tedious. Um, but go watch a couple. Um, listen to a couple. Read the letters. I, Google was my best friend through all of this. I'm like, how do I fill in the blank? Um, mm-hmm. And then have somebody look it over. Practice if you're um, testifying. Just you know, give your speech. I think every single one of my classes heard it because I was like, help me guys. I help you. It's your turn. Nice. Um, which is, yeah, for high school students, I think that's some good practical application too. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just, just jump in, follow the yeah. conservation organizations that you feel fit, um, what you feel about the outdoors, um, reach out to them. I mean, like, oh my gosh, everybody has somebody in, you know, communications at the very least who it's their job to email back. So, um, but there's always somebody willing to reach out and help mm-hmm. um, because that's, it's important, you know, that's their job and they believe in it and they're going to help you so that you help further the cause. Like that's, you know, that's what we're working for. Um, yeah. So don't be scared to reach out, ask for help, do your research. Um, yeah. No, I think I, I want to draw attention to two awesome points you made there to, to just emphasize them. One is, um, yeah, reach out to people. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. so easy to get lost in all the material there's available to read online. And yeah. sometimes the questions that we have are more specific and the conversations we want to have are more nuanced. And if you do reach out to an organization um, and ask uh, those questions to an actual person, that, I mean, you can learn I've, I've found that I can learn more in, in a 10 minute conversation than I can learn two hours reading online um, and get more pointed um, and specific information to the questions that I have. So, yeah. And, and you're right. You know, I mean, people who work for these organizations and, um, and I think that's true for all conservation organizations. We love to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and then the other point is, uh, and I know I struggle with this too, with a, with an all or nothing mindset. Either I'm not going to testify at a hearing, or I'm going to testify live and in person. Yes. And and there's a lot of middle ground there. Um, and I think the idea of just going on and, you know, yeah, read the letters to the editors and the op eds, um, so you understand kind of how they how they work and what's effective for you personally, and then that can translate into what you're putting out there in an effort to be effective as well. And, and yeah, watch a couple hearings because they are very formal and that can be intimidating. Yeah. Um, But if you, if you just show up as a observer, it takes away a little bit of the strangeness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Any last, go ahead. Were you going to say something else? No, um, I had a thought and then I lost it. (laughs) Hashtag Friday. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I got it. Don't be afraid to fail. Like, and don't feel like you failed either. Um, like I said, I think I emailed my letter to the editor three times before it showed up. You know, um, and it's it can be really discouraging. And well, there's that. But no, like you did yep. something. Good job. <laughs> I once gave uh, 
an interview on NEPA that was abysmal. <laughs> it was it was awful. And um yeah, in in I know that I will never set myself up for the same mistakes again. So even though that interview was awful, um I learned a lot and and yeah. right there is no failure. I think um yeah Nick wrote it in the comments here. Uh, what's the point of experience if you don't learn from it? Um mm -hmm. and so I didn't fail. I learned a valuable lesson. <laughs> There you go. Yep. Yes. That, that's what we tell our students all the time too, right? Right. And, uh, and I have to say, um, so I learned to hunt as an adult. I've only been hunting for about six years now. Mm -hmm. And that is something that hunting and fishing both taught me about learning as an adult yeah. um, is that it, 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 it does mean failure. Like my whole experience as an angler became much more peaceful and much more um, effective when I realized that I was going to be spending 90% of my time tying and untying knots. Like, <laughs> once you accept that, everything becomes, it's, it becomes more about the journey. Um, yeah. And the lessons that that has taught me in the field uh, and on the water is really translatable to other things. And that's been kind of cool. Yeah. That's very good for learning failure. <laughs> and frustration. Oof. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and finding success in the small things yes absolutely oh my gosh yeah um I also think one of the things that I've found that's coming up uh again and again in our conversations during that go confident as an advocate series is how to have conversations with people to uh, I don't, I am not, I'm not quite sure I'm going to phrase this right to um, change their mind, to be persuasive, mm -hmm. to um, effectively communicate uh, why you feel the way you do. Um, I feel like that's coming up again and again. And I think that is like the core question of humanity, <laughs> much less conservation yeah. advocacy. Uh, but uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are on, on, on that, on communicating effectively on conservation issues across differences. I think doing your research is super important. Um, every time a bill popped up that I was going to post about, I made sure that I went and if the conservation organizations hadn't posted like a, a brief synopsis or explanation about it, I went and I found that bill and I read it as well as I could because I'm not a legalese. Yeah. yeah. Um, read it as well as I could. Um, that class that I teach actually came in really handy because my students and I would dissect things and go through things. Um, we would have discussions about, well, what parts of this are beneficial and what parts of this do we not agree with? Like, um, so formatting things in a way where you are giving facts um, and you are showing that you've done your research um, is really helpful, I would say. Um, so when you're writing a speech or an argument, you have three parts. You have ethos, pathos, and logos. Here comes my teacher. Speech. Do it. I'm excited for this. <laughs> ethos is your like ethics, your background information, your morals. Um, logos is logic. Um, and then ethos, pathos. Oh, pathos. Wait. Oh, no. See? There we go. Uh, logos is like your statistics. Pathos is... Maybe that one's your logic. I think that was your logic. 
So if you have all three parts of that, your argument is very well-founded um, and more likely to cause other people to think. Um, I tell everybody we're not gonna change minds, um, but as you pointed out, sometimes it can change perspectives over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have those parts in your speech, you've done your research, you connect to it personally, um, and then you kind of tie those together with logic, it's pretty hard to argue with with whatever you are arguing. So yeah, well, I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna incorporate that. Um, I know what those are, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, when I, uh, so yeah, when I was a teacher, I think one of the biggest things that I took away from um, my mentor was the idea that um, you can't teach anybody anything. You can only create opportunities for learning. And sometimes the most important job is to make people's thoughts bump into each other. And I really like that idea, right? Like we all have the um, world, our realities are, are constructed and, and we think and believe the things that we do for reasons. And if you can make those reasons bump into each other so they don't um, fit or make sense anymore, then we have to uh, chew on them to realign them. Um, so, so things are back in sync. And I think if you can make people's thoughts bump into each other, that's the seed that's planted that, that helps them continue to think about it um, after the conversation. Um, all right, I'm going to switch back um, and ask you uh, some more um, hunting and fishing related questions. Okay. One is, uh, can you tell us a story of one of your favorite memories in the field or on the water? Wow. I feel like every memory is a pretty good one, um, even when you fail, you know. Um, gosh. Let's see. Okay, so I've told my little trout fishing story. So that's one of them. Um, the crazy elk hunt my first year is probably another one. Um, that got crazy. Like I was standing up against a tree and had cow elk running around me. It was. That's amazing. As a little 12 year old girl who, you know, <sighs> first hunt. I can just like. Like, I just want everybody to stop and put themselves in that moment, like, <laughs> sensorily, right? Like, the sound, the smell, yeah. the the yeah. dust, the, that's the, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and we'll probably never have an experience like that again, which is probably okay. It was, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Um, let's see. Um, gosh. Maybe last year, it was my first year that my husband and I really went bear hunting. Um, And we didn't come out with a bear because everyone we saw had cubs. Um, But we, I had spotted this, um, this bear and she's just this gorgeous cinnamon color. Um, And so the next day, because we spotted her at like dusk, um, her, because we found cubs later. um, We went up to where we had seen her and we were just cresting this hill. All of a sudden, my husband goes, it's right there. And I go, oh, expletive. Uh, and <laughs> like dropped to the ground because I'm like, what? And all of a sudden, like, I can just see like fuzzy little head coming over the, the other side of the hill, like around. 
Um, and then she caught our wind and, and ran. Um, so we didn't have an opportunity for a shot, which was good because the next time we saw her, she had cubs. Um, and so I was really glad that we didn't take that opportunity. Um, but the thinking about it later, it's another one of those things where in the moment, it's just, we're hunting and this is what we're doing and getting the gun ready. But then the wind shifted, of course, because that's what it does. Um, but later I was telling my mom the story and she goes, I don't think I could, I don't think I could do that. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, you know, we're just doing it. And she's like, there was a bear right around the hill from you. And I was like, there was, there was a bear right around the hill from me. So yeah, the, the hindsight sometimes is a little crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's probably my most recent favorite story. <laughs> that's beautiful. Are you going out again this year? Bear hunting? Yeah. We've, we've gone out the last couple weekends. Um, Thankfully, we have both sets of grandparents in Helena, so they take turns with the girls. It's been really helpful. Nice. Um, we actually just spotted one last night um, off of our front porch. <laughs> so in Montana City, like, we're literally, like, there's mountains. Like, looking at my window, and there's just mountains. Um, so my husband found one last night, and we watched it for a little while, and he's been playing on on the on X3D on the computer to see if he can figure out where it was and then we'd go back to our phones and look out the window and looks like it's probably on private but general area there's probably another one so um yeah so maybe we'll come back with a bear this weekend hopefully at least we've excellent seen now. <laughs> yeah nice yeah. um all right uh hits and misses our weekly closer yeah. what have you been aiming for and how did it go I've been thinking a lot about this podcast and it's gone well. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, I appreciate that. You're the first yeah. guest who's ever said that. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like a, I, I panic about stuff and I worry about stuff a lot. So um, yeah. So I would say this has been a definite hit. This is really exciting. Excellent. Um, and then let's see. Misses. I don't know, just finding time to do all the things that I should be doing. <laughs> right. Probably practice my bow, you know, like we're getting in on that season, but um, right now it's bear hunting season. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. back to the time thing. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, that was another thing that I always appreciated um, in the advocacy trainings that Artemis put together at first. Like they started off with like the most valuable thing anybody can can give you is their time uh and that's so true Absolutely. very cool thank you for giving me your time appreciate yeah. that for sure this awesome to do this. This yeah excellent um well, my big hit uh, i have two hits one is i got my second covid vaccine yesterday um and yeah. i'm here and awake and happy today so i feel good that it didn't it didn't hit me as hard as it's yeah. hit some people um with the second shot got a little achy but, uh, but by and large, doing just fine. And then I'm headed off on Sunday for a bear hunt. Yay! Um, and so I'm going to be off the grid for a whole week. Um, and I'm very excited for that. So, yes, maybe when I come back, we can swap bear stories. I hope so. I hope so. Excellent. Cool. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, thanks, everybody. I'm going to pause one more 
uh, time and see if you have any questions. Um, I appreciated you all being here. Um, I uh, hope you had some good takeaways and at the very least, I hope you were entertained. Um, until uh, I'm going to end our podcast uh, the way that we usually do, which is to say until next time, be bold, stay curious and get outside. Uh, I'm very grateful for everybody's time. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.